You're listening to the Yoga Teacher Resource Podcast. Knowledge, techniques, and inspiration for your teaching and your practice. I'm your host, Mado Hesselink. If you're a yoga teacher who loves learning, is passionate about spreading the benefits of yoga, and desires more resources to support your teaching, you're in the right place. Let's get started with today's episode. Hey, are you on Instagram? Over the past five years or so, this social platform has become the place for yoga teachers, but not everybody's experiencing success from their efforts there. Hello, yoga teacher. On today's podcast, my guest, Cora Giroux, is an Instagram expert who's recently been rethinking her relationship with the platform, and not because she hasn't seen success there. Cora is the former owner of multiple yoga studios in Sydney, Australia, who built her business primarily on Instagram. She's also the host of the Teaching Yoga podcast and currently helps yoga teachers share their personal brand of magic with the world. During my conversation with Cora, we discuss why Instagram has been such a great platform for her and also some recent experiences that caused her to rethink how she uses it. We also dive into some nitty gritty about why Instagram isn't the right platform for every yoga teacher and how to decide whether or not it's right for you. Cora shares some advice for yoga teachers who want to get more engagement on Instagram. And we also touch on the future of the platform and the industry in general. My goal with this podcast and my courses is to give yoga teachers a wide and nuanced perspective on topics that are important for their growth and their success so that they can feel empowered to make better choices. I think this episode fits perfectly with that intention, and I hope that you agree. Let's jump right in, and I'll see you on the other side. Cora, welcome to the Yoga Teacher Resource Podcast. I am so honored to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation. Yeah, thank you. Well, we're going to talk about Instagram today, and I think we're going to we're going to let the conversation go where it goes, so mm. who knows where that will be. But let's start with a little bit about how you first got into Instagram and what results you saw in your business and why you made it a big part of your strategy. Hmm. So I opened my very first like business or like yoga Instagram account in 2013. So I think that's eight years ago. Like that's a significant chunk of time that I've been on the platform for like business purposes. I think my one of my very first photos is a workshop that I went to with Sadie Nardini. I don't know if you know who she is or anything like that, but way back in 2013, I was like, can I have a picture? And like that, if you look at, if you do the scroll all the way down to the bottom of my Instagram, that's one of the things that I first posted. So I always used it as a yoga teacher and like sort of in a professional sense, but throughout that time, there were lots of ups and downs in how much I was using it and investing in the platform. There was a period of time where I owned a couple of yoga studios and I managed the Instagram for those yoga studios. So my personal Instagram account kind of went on the back seat while I focused on building the social media accounts for those, those yoga studios, which was fun, but just, you know, a, a nice little to know that I haven't been like driving it hard all of those years. Cause I think people think, is it a lifelong commitment once I start doing it? And I definitely have had my ups and downs. So that's kind of like the history and the backstory of how I've used it. But one of the reasons that it's so, has been so powerful for me 
and I think could have the potential to be powerful for other people is that in my mind, it really fulfills two branches or arms of marketing. The first is discoverability. So Instagram is a platform where people can find you. So people who don't know about your work can learn about your work by finding you on Instagram. So it's a way to get in front of new people. And that's important, right? We're always looking, you know, I always do the, the hashtag, like get more students. That's what every yoga teacher <laughs> wants. So we have a conversation like, so what you really want is to get more students. They're like, yes. So it's discoverability. It helps people to find you. The other pillar is relationship building. So Instagram can be a super powerful tool for building relationships with those potential students once they find you. So I think that's one of the reasons why it's so effective or can be so effective because it hits both of those branches in one platform. And like, we all know this, right? Like you and I have chatted through Instagram. That's how we connected. Lots of the people that I've talked to for my podcast connected through Instagram. Students I have, like we DM back and forth and like, it's a very interactive tool. Like having a podcast, right? You put it out there and you're kind of just like, hope someone listens and you don't always get that direct feedback. Whereas on Instagram, you do have that relationship building tool. So there's the discoverability piece and the relationship building piece. I think that's for me, what I've sort of like boiled down. Why is it good? Why is it effective? Cause those, those two things are sort of rolled into the same platform. I agree. I think that makes a lot of sense because it, it used to be that you could get discovered on Facebook. Now it's very difficult unless you have a group, but that's a topic for a different podcast. Yeah, <laughs> totally. You discovered this about Instagram. You kind of figured out that this was an effective marketing strategy. And then how did you implement it? What, what strategies did you actually use that worked for you? I'm going to split it into two categories. One is Instagram stories and the other is anything that goes on your Instagram feed. Okay. So we'll talk about those two things separately. I'll go with Instagram stories first because I think it's the simplest to talk about because there's kind of like one main element, whereas with on your feed, there's lots of different stuff that you could be doing. So on Instagram stories, the way that I see that being the most effective is showing your face <laughs> in a real and unfiltered way. I mean, use a filter if you want to, <laughs> but like what I'm saying is like, you know, if your hair is not washed or you don't have makeup on or you're in your house and it's messy, those things don't matter on Instagram stories. And the reason that that's effective to show up with your face talking to the camera on Instagram stories is that it helps your community get to know the real you. So it's very different than the super polished things that might go on your feed. And Instagram stories in that way is also very quick because you're not over editing or over analyzing what you're putting out there for the content creator, for the yoga teacher. It can be a very low investment of time, which time is like, you know, our most precious resource, especially if you're a business of one or a business of two or three, time is super, super valuable. So the strategy that I have found works really, really well on Instagram stories is showing up with your face, talking to the camera, sharing something that you are passionate about in that moment. Um, an idea, it doesn't have to be a very well-formulated idea because the expectation on Instagram stories is that things are pretty raw and natural. So, hey, I've been thinking about this. I've been thinking about that. Or I'm going to the post office today. This is what we're doing. Or, you know, any little snippet into your life that's 
something you would send to like your best friend. You wouldn't overanalyze something you would send like a video message to your friend being like, hey, I'm really struggling with this and this and this, right? And you put that on your Instagram stories, it helps people to connect with you. Second thing for Instagram stories that I would really talk about is utilizing interactive features. So polls, asking questions, um, you know, asking people to engage with your content. That way there can be a two-way conversation in a really smooth way. It's super simple for someone to fill out a question. It's like one tap, right? And they're, they're there. So I would say if you're gonna do anything right now, add it to your like little Instagram strategy. If you're not doing this already on Instagram stories with your face using interaction as much as you possibly can. Bonus points if you do it in the in an arc. So imagine a story arc, like here's me waking up, here's what I'm doing in the middle of the day, here's me, you know, chilling out in the evening, good night everybody. So if you can weave it in that, that will keep your community engaged throughout the day with you. That's Instagram stories. There's more to say, but I think that is plenty for that. Do you, are you on Instagram stories? Do you, do you use that part of Instagram? So I find Instagram to be incredibly complicated. I do use it, but yeah. right now what I have figured out that works for me because my podcast is kind of my main mm -hmm. format and it has worked to find new people, although I can't track it very well, but people it's word of mouth and it totally. works amazingly. Um, totally. Instagram is much more trackable, <laughs> much, much more trackable. And uh, so I have a person who works for me, who we collaborate on Instagram. Cool. So cool. she kind of creates an idea for me of what our content for the week is going to look like. I will write the content and then she will implement it and put it on cool. Instagram. And I know how to use stickers and polls and questions and stuff, but it's, I feel like an old person when I try to use Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> I get that. I, I hear that a lot. And I think it's, um, it can be intimidating because there is so much functionality. Like it, it has, as you said, it's complicated now. Like it used to be, you put a photo up and then it was like, you could put a video up and then it was like, you could put a longer video up and then it was like stories. And now it's reels. Like the functionality of the platform has grown so much that there are so many different moving pieces. Yeah. And I am a little old, actually. <laughs> I mean, especially probably, we're probably the same age, I bet. I doubt it. Okay. We'll leave, <laughs> we'll leave that out. I won't, I won't make you reveal your age. But I, I don't mind. No, I'm, I'm 42. I'm 35 going on 36. So there is a, there's a teeny generational gap there, but not much. It's huge when it comes to technology. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fair. That's fair. But I, you know, in general, I'm very comfortable with technology. I'm very comfortable with web-based technology. I was just on the line there. When I went to college, we were just starting to use email, right? Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And so I actually took computer classes. So I learned HTML and I learned about computers. And so I, I've been able to kind of stay in the loop, but yeah. a social media platform is different you have to develop a relationship with it. And I have not, I've not been on Instagram since 2013. Facebook worked fine for me. The podcast has worked amazingly for me. 
And uh, so I would say the last two years I've been dabbling in it. And it's just so much harder when you're not learning one feature at a time, but you're trying to learn all the features at once. So, I mean, I appreciate you breaking it down and making it simple for people. And the truth is, and this is a little bit of a rewind, maybe we should have started here, but Instagram's not for everybody. You know, if the people you're trying to reach don't happen to be basically millennials, yeah, it's probably not the right place. Yeah. And I think that's the number one thing for people to limit social media overwhelm is like, find where you're, first of all, know who your people are. You got, you got to know that, which, you know, you do a good job of making sure people understand that in, when they're teaching. But once you know who your people are, figure out where they are and then invest your time there. And as you said, not everyone is on Instagram or will be on Instagram. And we'll talk about probably about this later, but I also feel like there's a bit of a underground resistance bubbling against social media. I don't know how underground it is, but I think it's like at the point where it will tip over into the mainstream or is tipping over into the mainstream soon. But, um, yeah, I, I think that also, yeah, it's not for everyone. And I think the social media landscape is changing right now. So, but the pro that's the big problem with social media, the social media landscape is that it's always changing. That's the only thing you can count on. It is <laughs> is that, it's that is so true. That is so true. It's the only thing you can count on is that it's changing, but I think it's changing. Like, I think there's a tidal wave coming of change, but like, that's just me predicting the future. Who knows what will actually happen? Um, the sen the growing sentiment, because I have spent a lot of time talking to specifically yoga teachers, but other small business owners too, about social media, the tone has changed in what people are asking for. So it used to be, how do I grow a following on Instagram? Then it was, how do I get students from Instagram? Now it's like, do I have to be on Instagram? <laughs> what like what it's so it's the the sentiment is kind of shifting or like if I'm not on Instagram how do people find me like so the tone has sort of changed and I think that when when I'm hearing that over and over and over again I was like hmm people are getting curious about like I'm calling it retro marketing <laughs> like other ways other ways that you can reach people yeah well and there's lots of other ways and for a lot of people, Instagram is, is like we were just discussing, is just not the right place. Because if you're not trying to reach millennial women mm -hmm. or yoga teachers, <laughs> then it's, it's not probably the place that they're paying attention. Well, I have a funny stat for you. Instagram has slightly more male users than female. Oh, well, that's not who follows me. I, no, I, <laughs> never, I never, ever, ever, ever would have anticipated that. Like that was a huge surprise to me. I think it's just slightly, but the noticing that I was like, huh, that's not like what you just said. That's not my experience. Like I, you know, I don't interact. I, I interact mostly with millennial females <laughs> on Instagram to be fair. And one of the big challenges that yoga teachers have on there is they're like, okay, I'm putting all this content out on Instagram. And the only mm. people interacting with me are other yoga teachers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they didn't bother to do the market research to find out, yeah. well, who are they actually targeting? Are they creating content that's attractive to yoga teachers or are they creating content that's attractive to the people they're trying to target? 
if they happen to even be on Instagram. So I think that there's a, a lot of like attempts to copy what other people are doing in a way that's not actually thinking through, like, what do I want to do? It's not customized. It's not, it's not working backwards from goals to actions. hundred percent. There's background work that goes into creating an Instagram strategy, any social media strategy, any marketing strategy for that individual person and for their individual business and their clientele and all of that. Yeah. But it is, I've heard that a lot. The only other people that follow me on Instagram are yoga teachers. So that was kind of like my Instagram story riff. I don't know if you want to talk about the feed. We've kind of yeah. been like, eh, <laughs> Instagram. No, let's talk about it. Cause we talked about the stories and you know, there are p- going to be people listening who are seeing some success on Instagram, want to refine their approach mm-hmm. And Mm -hmm. there's other people who will be listening and will be like, well, this is giving me permission to just walk away from it. So we can talk about that part later, but let's serve the people who are like, no, this is kind of working for me and I want it to work better. Yeah. Cool. So two things I think we'll talk about. One is like the strategy and then mm, I think maybe strategy is the right word. And the other is a, a little bit of the background that you and I were just sort of dipping into that I think is important to mention. But first thinking about like just strategy on your feed, I hate to break it to everyone, but 2020 and into 2021, what Instagram really wants to see are reels. So reels, if you don't know, are those short little tiny videos that are 15 to 30 seconds long, depending on um, what Instagram has bestowed your real capacity to be because Instagram will choose whether you get the 15 second version or whether you get 30 second version and why it's different than a normal video is it allows you to take specific little clips. So you could take like 10 different clips and splice them all together. And when you splice them all together, that creates visual interest. So you can be on different angles. You can be at different shots, have all sorts of different things. So you can tell a little story in your reel and you can add music. If Instagram lets you, sometimes you have that feature, sometimes you don't. Um, And you can add captions and different effects. And whenever any social media platform rolls out a new feature, they will prioritize showing that feature more than anything else. So because Instagram wants reels to be successful, if you make a reel versus a different video or a photo, let's say the content was equally as valuable, Instagram would give more weight to your reel and increase your reach by showing it to more people. We kind of got to play the game if you, if you want to, like if you're in this and you want to, it's like play the game, make Instagram happy and how to make Instagram happy right now on your feed is by creating reels. Um, not everybody has the reels feature. Mine got taken away for like three or four months. Um, so maybe you have it, maybe you don't, but if you do have it, I would suggest spending a day, don't hate me, learning how to use reels. (laughs) I know that's a lot of time. It took me a couple days to figure it out, you know, watch some reels, um, figure out how your content could be spliced together in a way that is interesting for reels, um, and then see what you can do. I'm laughing because I made a reel of myself learning how to make reels. Cute. That's so cute. Yeah. But it was basically like all the mistake things. And it was like my face looking like this. (laughs) Yeah. People loved it. 
I can, I can imagine that because it's a, it's a, it's a shared experience, right? Like, Oh, it's a, it's a lot to learn how to make a reel. And what I'm seeing work with reels is something, there's kind of a couple things, <clears throat> excuse me. One is what I call edutainment. So it's educating, you're teaching something, you're learning something, but something about it is fun, it, entertaining, whether there's like, this is why the dancing reels are a thing. I don't know how you feel about those, but like dancing isn't really part of my brand. So like to put that in there um, is challenging for me. I did definitely try it out. I think I've got one or two dancing reels just to be like, okay. But, but the idea is that it's entertaining and educating. So you can think about reels, make sure you publish them to your feed. If you're not down with that, the next best thing to do right now is video. So any sort of video, it could be an IGTV where you share the preview to your feed, or it could be like the 60 second standalone video that you can upload. So Instagram will give priority in your feed to reels, then to video, and then usually to the like stock standard old school photo with a caption. The carousel thing is pretty good too, especially if that content is really shareable. Like if you would share it, maybe I did like top 10 tips for yoga teachers or something maybe more specific than that, but, you know, just for the point and I shared, like, and I had the, all that you could swipe through, um, that can be quite good at getting shares. So Instagram stories, sh try to show your day, show up with your face on Instagram stories. If you can, don't worry about it looking perfect. Use the interaction feature on your feed. If you're down for it, reels will get the most views than any sort of video then look at images and carousel sort of situation. That's like the type of content that I think is where Instagram is at right now. I do like Instagram in that it is, can be fun. And I got a lot of business through Instagram. So I was not in the game of increasing followers. I didn't really care about that. What I cared about was people who I connected with on Instagram becoming real clients. That was my whole mojo. And that little stream, like, you know, whatever you want to call it, marketing funnel, was very effective for me. So probably about half of my clients found me through Instagram. So, so I'm, I'm not anti-Instagram. And I know that there are real issues with the platform in terms of addiction, for one. Like the fact that everyone just compares themselves to everyone else on Instagram is another one, um, you know, the echo chamber and that you get fed content that's like the content that you already like. So it's pretty hard to like understand someone's viewpoint that's different from yours and social media exacerbating that. Instagram is becoming a massive shopping platform. So I think that all of those addictive comparison qualities, what do you do if you feel bad? Some people will shop. Right. So, you know, it's just like any addiction. So I think that there are real ethical issues with the platform. And I acknowledge those. And I have a lot of strategies personally for myself that help me as a human, like not as a business person, but just as a human, protect myself from those factors of social media. However, this is where I need to be transparent. That's not why my relationship with Instagram is changing. So I, I see all those problems. I recognize them. I have strategies in place for them. And I, I recommend other people have strategies in place for that. 
But the real reason that I'm shifting my relationship from Instagram is that two things happened to me and they happen to a lot of people. So I always heard about it happening to other people, but I was like, I'll be fine, you know, that sort of thing. And then some of these things happened to me. So I was like, oh shit, shoot, this is real. I need to do something about it. First thing is I mentioned Instagram took away my reels feature. We might think who cares, like, like who cares? Instagram took away your reels feature. It seems like a very minor thing. And in the scheme of things it is, but I had a bunch of launch content planned for my reels. And, and it was right before a launch of something, a course that I was doing. And the fact that Instagram took that away right before my launch and I emailed them and I tried to get it back. And obviously they don't care about who I am or anything because I don't pay for their platform. So I'm just a product. I'm not a customer. Yeah. 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 So that was like, okay, shoot. We know that Instagram is prioritizing reels, meaning that if I create reels for my launch, more people are going to see them than if I put out a standard post. So that feature got taken away for three or four months. It came back last week. Cool. No explanation. I don't know if it affected my bottom line. I still had a great launch, but it just made me feel like, whoa, I am not in control here. So if I put all my eggs in this basket and like I, my business supports me, right? So it's not like I can just be like, ah, well, didn't have a great launch. It's like, hmm, I need to make sure I can pay my staff, i.e. I need to have a good launch. Um, so that was one thing. And then Facebook, who owns Instagram, so I'm kind of looping them together, um, banned my ads account just before the same launch. The reason that my ads account got banned was I was promoting a workshop um, on it for Instagram, like an Instagram workshop about your first thousand followers. And in my copy, like how to get your first thousand followers in my copy, I put, this is not a get followers quick scheme. You have to do actual work and it comes one by one and blah, 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 blah. But the Facebook bots who check the ads thought that I was promoting a get followers quick scheme, which in hindsight, duh, but it didn't click at the time. Cause I, that was not the intention of the, the intention of the post was the opposite. So they shut down my ads account right before the same launch and totally banned me. It was like this big red thing on my Facebook ads account. Like you are banned forever. It wasn't a temporary ban. It was like shut down. I did eventually appeal that and a human looked at my ad and realized, Oh, she's promoting the opposite of the thing we banned her for. Um, but it was the same launch. So I kind of got burned twice by these tech companies in the same moment. And what I realized on a personal level, I always knew it theoretically, but I had the experience of it, was that if your business is built on getting clients through a social media platform, that's precarious. And it's not a very um, sustainable or stable foundation. So just to be fully transparent, like the reason that I am really rethinking my relationship with the platforms is because of the lack of control that business owners have. I don't know if you've heard about this. Um, I'm in Australia. I'm Canadian, but I'm in Australia. And, and Facebook was having a go with our media companies and our government. And now Facebook has banned all news sources from Australia from using Facebook okay, news sources, that's a really big deal, but maybe it doesn't affect me as a yoga teacher or meditation teacher or whoever is you know, listening to this. But there are a lot of companies that got rolled into that ban that we wouldn't think about as news companies. Like I follow this outdoor magazine 
they're called wild something something and they like talk about hiking and all those sorts of things and it's not news they're not covering politics they're not covering you know they're talking about hiking and surfing and stuff they're banned well i think that the their bots are making mistakes yeah so i don't know i just think building a business with those two with with a social media platform that you don't control podcasting is different because it's syndicated right so and an email list is very different um but putting too much focus on using social media to grow your business i think while it could be effective ultimately can be taken away from you at any time and if you're if you rely on that business if it's not just for fun um it just seems like a it seems like a business risk that i'm not comfortable with at the moment. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense for me to me. That is a big reason why social media has always been a secondary strategy for me. Yeah, smart, smart cookie. <laughs> I guess I got lucky too in that I just really mm. fell in love with podcasting early on and had some good mentors who told me the same thing, build your email list, focus on your email list. That is what you own your email list and you know, I don't know too much about the podcast hosting situation, but my understanding is that that seems to be a lot more stable as well. Email and podcast hosting syndication, way more stable, way more under your control than the social medias. Yeah. I think a couple of things with email list and and podcast hosting. So first of all, you're, you're a customer for your podcast host. You pay them every month. You're a customer for your email. You pay them every month. I've even said if Instagram wanted to charge me $25 a month and I could reach all my people and they wouldn't shut me down without explaining and certain things like that, I would do that, right? But that's not their business model. So because you're a customer of your podcast host and your email list, they're going to communicate with you any changes that are coming up. And they want to keep you happy because if they don't keep you happy, you'll go somewhere else. Right. So there is a different level of um, a different relationship there with your email thing, which we all know, but it's helpful to think about is that you can download your list. Right. So like my assistant backs up my list every month. The weird thing about Facebook ads is you are a customer. Yeah. So this is why Facebook ads, I believe, got back to me and eventually unbanned my account, whereas Instagram just never got back to me. And then magically I had, I think, I think they upgraded their like app. I got a software update or something and I got the reels feature back. So I think that's why Facebook ads actually got back to me. If, if I wasn't paying for ads and I just had a Facebook page or something that I was relying on, I'm pretty sure I would have never heard from them. Yeah. But you would have not gotten any reach on your page either. Without no, ads. No. <laughs> that, yeah, no, absolutely. That's not a strategy that works anymore at all. So did they, how, how long did it take for them to get back to you? Um, I think a couple of weeks, like maybe like three weeks, the That's launch was good. done and du- the launch was done and dusted. Wow. Like I got to submit a review immediately, but the result of like they, them auditing or whatever they need to do was I think like three or four weeks. So, yeah. So, yeah. So I think, while I do think that like social media can still be effective. I would just caution people like be like Matto and like have, it as your secondary strategy, not your primary strategy. Um, 
And one thing that I've made the conscious, because I'm still on Instagram, but I've made the conscious decision to, this is something I would have never recommended before, but it's like, I've totally done a 180. All my people in my like membership are like, wait a minute, what are you doing? I don't add value to social media platforms anymore. I used to, I used to make content exclusively for social media platforms that was valuable and engaging and it would keep people on the platform because that's what Instagram wants. So if you're wanting to grow your Instagram, create valuable content that people engage with on the platform that stands alone, exclusive to Instagram, all of that sort of stuff. I'm no longer doing that. I'm only using Instagram two days a week and I'm using it to drive um, people to my newsletter list exclusively. So I'll post like a snippet of what I'm going to post in my newsletter and say, if you want to sign up for it, do it. And I've completely like done a 180 on that, but my newsletter signups have gone from like 10 a month from Instagram to like 90 a month from Instagram. And I'm not adding value on the platform at all. I'm just saying, Hey, the value has moved to my newsletter. If you want to hang out, come join us. And what are you now using to find new people? Um, This is, this is a process. So I have like a whole, um, so this is like the discoverability. I have a whole list of things that I'm testing out. So I don't have super great results in terms of, I can tell you this is working and this hasn't been working because I'm still in the testing phase. The first thing that I'm really exploring is how to get my website better optimized for SEO, right? So that's my number one endeavor right now. I'm enrolled in an SEO course and I have a a coach that I'm working with to try and help me for that. So, you know, Google can do the same thing as Instagram and decide not to share your website, but I'm trying to diversify my discoverability. Podcast is a great one, right? So I recommend to anyone who's unsure of Instagram or Facebook, but they still want to be in the online space and they still want to grow their community Um, Any form of long form content, podcast, videos, blog, you know, I think the blog will make a comeback. Um, That sort of thing, I think, is a great strategy, like what you're doing for discoverability. I'm also looking at ways to be conscious and intentional with word of mouth, right? How can you encourage people to recommend your work if they've had a good experience? Um, Another thing, which could be interesting it has nothing to do with Instagram, but if, if you have a newsletter that you're investing time and energy into and you think it's good, there's a service called Spark Loop. There's another one called Viral Loops. I'm pretty sure that's the name of that. And I haven't used it yet, but I've got it in my calendar to set it up this weekend. And essentially it allows your newsletter to become referable in an easier way. So people can refer people to your newsletter. Um, And it's one of the ways that I've seen when I've been like doing research on how to get people, new people onto your newsletter, right? Because no, because a newsletter is not a discoverability tool, usually, unless you have ads going to drive people to your newsletter, which I do as well. Um, but yeah, so I'm going to test that out, but there's, I think there's a a lot of different strategies that I have personally not invested in because I've been so invested in social media that I'm just using this year to test them all out and see which ones got me results, which ones cost a lot of money, you know, and 
got me results or didn't cost very much money. Like, you know, where's my return on investment for these things? I've, um, I've sent a lot of mail out this year, like actual postal mail, um, which is very expensive. We'll see if it um, helps people to refer me or, or connect with people, um, build deeper relationships. So we'll see. That's awesome. I think it's great that you have the resources to, to do all that testing. I think one of the big challenges for a lot of independent teachers is they're just starting out. They don't have a big budget and they really need bang for their buck. Unfortunately, they, they often try to do what you're doing without a system behind it. So they do a little bit over here. They put a little, they throw a few videos on YouTube. They post occasionally on Instagram. They start a, a Facebook group, but nobody joins. And then they're like, nothing's working. I'm doing everything. And the problem is that they haven't figured out one thing, learned yeah. it, optimized it, started getting lead flows, started getting feedback from those people so that they can then start testing and comparing different platforms. So that's a big challenge. And, um, you know, I mean, the big thing about Instagram and social media in general is just like kind of, it's kind of the evolution to what we were talking about where you don't have control over it, but it's constantly changing. So the things that those, those people who have these followings of like 200, 500,000, whatever, that they, they blew up on Instagram in 2014 mm -hmm. or 2015, what mm -hmm. they did then to get that following doesn't, doesn't work. work anymore. It doesn't work. And so it's very confusing for an independent teacher who's, you know, maybe their studio just closed over the last year. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, I'm going to need to start marketing myself. And I've never thought of it this way before. And well, I guess I'll go on social media because that's what other people do. I feel like it's this double-edged sword and maybe this can kind of like be the, the finish or the icing on, on the cake of our conversation of like, where are we headed next? Because right now we're in this stage of too much information and too many options. <laughs> One of the things I do with people is I help them narrow the options down 100%. and I help them say, you know, let's first start, we, we were talking about this in the very beginning. Let's first start with who are you trying to reach? Because that narrows things down significantly. And then let's figure out, you know, what do you want to help them with? Cause that, that helps you figure out what to talk about, what kind of content mm -hmm, to create. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then once you know where you want to be and what content you want to create, then you probably need to get some kind of mentorship, a, a, a course, or, you know, usually a paid course or a one-to-one -one mentorship is going to be the best mm -hmm, situation. Mm -hmm. Because again, if free content were enough to get you results, then you would have the results that you're looking for. But the, I mean, I see people spending years trying to get themselves results with free content and thinking, well, there's so much free content out there. I just haven't found the right free content yet that's somehow gonna get me the results. And it doesn't work that way because they what they need is something besides information. They need a narrowing of information. They need leadership. They need guidance of like, no, you cannot skip that step. You have to go through it. Okay, that was kind of a lot there, but but let's. Just it was talk. a good. It was a good. It was a good. <laughs> it was a rant. little bit of a soapboxy thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so let's talk about where are we going from here. So this is my opinion, right? 
it may be right, it may be wrong, but this is just what I'm vibing on and what I'm feeling. In 2020, the, everyone went online, obviously. So what that means is that I don't, I, don't, I don't really think about my competitors or my competition a lot, but what I just wanna highlight is that there are more people now available online than there used to be in 2019. So that just means there's more choice for the potential student or the potential consumer. A lot of big brands are feeling this. Online brands who used to um, be super successful online, their brick and mortar competitors are now online and things are changing. The landscape is changing. People Online is getting better also, right? Because more people are playing in that space. So the online world is going to, I think, going to continue to get more saturated, good or bad, right? Whatever, you know, we know that like Amazon is like, however, you know, billions and millions of dollars up in profit because they're, they ship things, right? So we know that the online space is, is more people are investing in that, which means things like advertising are more expensive. So just want to lay that out as the foundation for what I'm about to say. I think for small independent businesses, and small independent yoga teachers, like business of one kind of people, that that has made the online space uh, a little bit more difficult to stand out in. Fine, cool, is what it is. I think having a great niche and knowing who you serve and being really clear on all that uh, can help you cut through some of that saturation. So I don't think it's impossible at all. I'm still playing in the online space and will be, that's where I live, you know, that's my thing. But I think that if we return to, I'm just playing with this term because I love all things retro. So I'm calling it retro marketing is what I'm feeling is the next big thing. Like bell bottoms came back, right? They're back again. Things go in cycles because in my opinion, you always want to be doing something slightly different than the mainstream because if the mainstream is doing it, it's already done, you know? So what used to be like getting a letter in the post office, a post, your post box, you, every, every flyer, junk mail, it would be super overwhelming, all of that sort of thing. Our, our inboxes are that now, right? So go where there is space. This is, this is kind of what I'm vibing on. And I think that for the independent small yoga teacher, there are a couple of ways they can do that. The first thing is to use your personal network. You don't have anybody on your email list, email your friends, your family, people you know from high school that you think will be supportive of you. Don't email the dickheads, like just leave them off the list, but email people who you genuinely think will be supportive of you. Tell them, hey, I'm starting an email list. This is what I'm going to talk about. Would you like to join? Um, and they might not become your students or your customers, but their friends might or their colleagues might or whoever. So I think start with like your organic friends and family network, like you would have done if you were starting a local yoga studio or coffee shop 30 years ago. You would tell all your friends, I'm starting this thing, come hang out here, bring your friends and family. So start small, go with your network. Then my opinion is email list is where you wanna be. It's where you wanna be investing. We've kind of made that super clear. And then I think long form content is what um, separates you from all of that noise. 
right? If you think someone listening, if you think about the, the, the people that you look up to, like maybe matter is one of them. You listen to this podcast, you think about creators that you like people that you engage with their content. I bet the people that you could like list their names of like who you're inspired by either have a blog, a podcast or a video series. So I think that investing a little bit less in social media, investing more in your email list, putting out long form content that's on a realistic schedule. If you can do once a month, do once a month. If you can do twice a month, you know, whatever, be realistic with your time. And then thinking about what used to work and what way can, I, before the internet blew up, and what way can I harness retro marketing, old school marketing, used to just be called marketing, um, before social media marketing, what way can I harness those strategies that is like, you know, affordable? And when I say it costs a lot to do my snail mail, it cost me around $4 to send what I sent out in the post, right? Because some of them went to Europe and some of them went to the States and I'm in Australia and that's far away. So if you're just sending things locally, it could be less than $4 per thing. I sent like a sticker and a card and a high and, you know, a little thing. Um, so think about online space getting more saturated, Talk to your friends and family, get them on your email list, ask them to, to get other people on your email list. Um, look at things that used to work, maybe sort of in, in the post sending out mail because there's not a lot of people playing in that space anymore. Um, so, you, you know, that space is opened up. Bell bottoms are fresh again, you know, and then also think about is there some sort of long form content that I could realistically create that my ideal customer would consume. So if they're not listening to podcasts, don't create a podcast. Um, and then what's a realistic schedule that you could consistently put that out with? Just like you said, Matto, like less dabbling maybe and more like research, choose one, commit to it. It takes time to grow. So the more you can show up in that place, the better. And, and it's sort of just a, a bit like takes social media's hooks out of your business and allows you to have a little bit more control and agency over how people find you. I don't know. Is that kind of what you were looking for that? Yeah. I mean, I wasn't looking for anything in specific, just your thoughts and your perspective. And you know, I, there's a couple of things I love about what you said. One is the emphasis and the focus on personal connection, because mm -hmm. if you're just starting out, you want to leverage what you can leverage. And later on, you can't accommodate all the, like as much personal connection as you would, as you can in the beginning. Yeah. So really double down on connecting with people one-on-one -on -one and in small groups while you can, because you're going to build a lot more trust that way than you build in a bigger situation where you're talking to many people at once. So that's, that's one thing that I really loved about what you said. And then the other thing is about creating the kind of content that you can be proud to create. So instead of like, you know, putting things out there on social media that feel meaningless, it's like, why do that? It doesn't actually even work. That's what I was going to say. Does it work for you? If it works for you, put out the meaningless content, but if it's not working, well, it works for me to get engagement. I mean, we, cause we do a lot of experimentation too. Right. And so the, there's a difference though, between engagement and actually acquiring customers. Well, engagement doesn't pay your rent. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but I just laugh about it when I put like the simplest, most shallow social media posts out there. 
And I, we just did this yesterday and it was just super simple. Uh, a little quote that said, your home practice is the key to sustainability as a yoga teacher, agree mm-hmm. or disagree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> More comments on that post than probably any post mm-hmm. I put out this month, including lots of posts that I spent at least an hour on creating long form valuable, helpful content. So it's just funny because then of course the algorithm sees the comments and goes, let me show that to more people. Let me show that to more people. And so it does really highlight one of the problems of social media. It, it selects for shallow content. It selects for shallow content that engages people's sympathetic nervous system. Create content that you can be proud to create and create content that actually adds value to people's lives and doesn't just seem to add value to the algorithm. Then exactly like what you were saying, you got to find the blue ocean. Have mm-hmm. you heard there's this book, Blue Ocean I Market. feel like I've heard of it. I, I don't know the premise though. Well, the premise is that if you are in, I think it's the red ocean is crowded and there's lots of fish there and it's hard to get noticed. But in the blue ocean, you're the only one there. And so one of those ways is finding a niche that is very unique. And another way is to find a channel or a platform where there aren't a lot of other people there. So currently that's probably not Instagram unless you have a a really different niche, you know? But you can be in a niche that has a lot of other people as long as you're on a platform that doesn't. So let's say, for example, within I'm in the I'm based in the U.S. So in the U.S., there was a study done a few years back that showed that less than 10 percent of Americans have ever tried yoga. So Mm -hmm. if you are marketing to the same affluent white woman who already sees herself as a yoga practitioner and already has a yoga studio membership, that's a crowded, that's a, Mm -hmm. that's a red, red ocean. Mm -hmm. But if Mm -hmm. you can find a relationship with another type of person who doesn't yet think of themselves as a yoga practitioner, and you have access to that per those, a group of those people, and you can develop relationships with those people, then there's a lots of people who are yoga curious. I can tell you that I'm sure you have <laughs> totally. the same experience. Totally. You, yeah. you know, you just meet random people out there and you say, they say, what do you do? And you say, I'm a yoga teacher. And they'll go, Oh, I should try that. But they yeah. haven't. So if you can figure out how to make them feel welcome, invited and comfortable and excited to try it, then you're in a blue ocean. So I think that if, if nothing else gets out there, it's just quit fishing in the red ocean. Although, wait, that's a mixed analogy because fishing in a crowded ocean would be good. But stop trying to share your message in the crowded ocean. Find a blue one. Yeah, that's a really beautiful way to put it. And I think can help people maybe overcome some of the fear that they might have about niching because I am sure you do as well. It's 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 a very, it's a topic that people are very resistant to, but the way you've sort of laid it out, I think could make people possibly see the value 
in it, in that, oh, okay, cool. There's more space for me here. And those populations might be underserved, you know? Why haven't they tried yoga? We know how good yoga is for all the things. So it's like, if they're not, if they're curious, but they haven't done it and you remove that barrier, you can help a whole group of people that potentially wouldn't um, actually make the jump into going into a yoga studio because we know that they're very, it can be very intimidating and they're for like a very, very specific type of person. So if, you know, if you can help bring yoga into that person's life, like there's a lot of good you can do by getting into the blue ocean and helping people who aren't in the red ocean and maybe won't ever get in that ocean. And that's really why we became yoga teachers in the first place. I mean, nobody did it because they wanted to become an Instagram star, or maybe that happens these days, <laughs> but <laughs> if you've been teaching for a while, it wasn't a thing. Yeah. And you, you know, you became a yoga teacher because you wanted to help people. And then you realized, oh, I might need to learn about business. Oh, I might need to learn about marketing. And that's good to make that evolution, but let's not forget what the original intent was. Mm-hmm. So true. So Cora, thank you. This has been such an interesting and I hope helpful, I think helpful conversation. If listeners want to find out more about you, where should they look? Well, thank you, first of all, for having me. I so appreciate you extending the invite. And I know that my sort of thought process has changed in the time between we set it up and when we actually did the interview. So thanks for rolling with me on that. And I know that as the listener, it might feel a bit confusing. So I just want to call that out there if they're like, wait a minute. Are we on Instagram? Or are we not on Instagram? So I hope that people can, or I'm happy for people to come along the ride with me and for you to do that. So thank you very much. The best place that people can find me is my newsletter. So it's my name. I'll spell it because it's a French Canadian name that needs a bit of spelling slash newsletter. So Cora Giroux, C-O-R-A-G-E-R-O-U-X.com slash newsletter. And that's where all my best content is. I put out a video newsletter every single week. So I pop into your inbox with a new video. Um, yeah, and it's, it's where I'm investing my time and hanging out with my community. There's lots of back and forth. So you can, you know, reply to my emails and chat with me if you want to do that. Um, yeah, that's the best place for people to connect. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. conversation gave you a bit more perspective on the pros and cons of using Instagram and social media in general to grow your business. One pattern I've noticed recently is that a lot of yoga teachers feel really conflicted about using social media for their business, but they also feel like they have no other choices. I think that's a really problematic place to operate from. If you feel like you don't have any choices, then that's going to come across in your content and it's going to make everything you do there take a lot more energy. So I want yoga teachers to know that social media is not a requirement. There are other options for growing your business. You may not like those other options either, but the subtle shift of choosing between imperfect options makes a world of difference compared to feeling like a hostage to one specific technique. Making difficult choices is part of being grown up. And it's definitely part of being a business owner. Actually, that's the first choice. There are a ton of yoga teachers out there who choose to have another job and treat their teaching more like a hobby so that they don't have to add the concerns of making a living to their teaching. I find for myself, the more I focus on being the agent of my own choices, 
the less energy I waste feeling powerless. To be real, I do recognize that there are many ways that I'm powerless, but I don't find it very helpful to spend a lot of time focused on those things. I find so much more fulfillment and positive outcomes from focusing on the places where I'm making difficult choices because I own those choices and I can learn from the results. So here's a self-care invitation for you this week. Is there anywhere in your life that you've been assuming that you are powerless where you're actually making a difficult choice? If you can reframe your situation as a difficult choice, notice if that frees up emotional energy. And feel free to reach out to me on social media to report back. I'm on Instagram at yoga.teacher.resource. Okay, that's all for this week. Meet me back here next week for more knowledge, techniques, and inspiration.